Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, earthworms and earthworm gyms. You are tuned in to the Manchildian Candidate, where two fully grown men act their shoe size and not, in fact, their age. This is episode number five, uh, and we are pounding through this. So I hope you've all been enjoying it out there. Um, I know I have, and I definitely know that my dearest brother in the world, P-Boss, sitting across from me, is enjoying it too. How art thou, bro? Bro, I am so well. I'm happy. The podcasting pants are back on. Um, that's not to say that I did not have them on in previous episodes, but um, you know, I'm feeling ergonomic and warmly supported. G man, I got to say, yes, already you've started about sixteen percent more maneuverable. It's crazy, isn't it? I know. I'm feeling really, really quite powerful, like um, the swallow of the uh, of the humans. Really, I'm fast, maneuverable, fly very close to the surface of the water, and um, I just. I'm enjoying my time, my dude. It's very exciting to be alive. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And very exciting having this podcast going. So thanks, um, everyone that's uh, been giving us a bunch of feedback because um, I know. we're now under uh, um, even stricter lockdowns in, uh, in, in Australia, regional and otherwise. And yeah, yeah. man, it's as though someone answered our prayers. Um, <laughs> give us time. Give us time to mm. do this. And look at us now. We're not squandering it, man. We we're doing not. it. We oh. are not. Um, I thought for a moment there you were going to uh, say we are in martial law. It just felt like you were going to say. Um, Damn, it's the next step though, bro, isn't it? Like, oh, Yes. yes. It's you, getting crazy. You out. get back in your house or I'm going to shoot you in the leg. <laughs> no, I need time off work anyway. I'll take that shot to the leg. That'd be just, no, never guess what happened, boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shot. I, yeah. Frozen peas. I do agree with you that um, it does seem like the fickle finger of fate is indeed pointing at uh, directly at us. Yeah. Um, and look, we're, we're responding in kind. We've arisen through some technical difficulties um, this morning, G, and i got to say, bro, I am fascinated as we continue to move forward into the bulk of eternal stench that is current COVIDication. Um, even in 2020, the ultimate IT answer just does seem to be, have you turned it off and have you turned it on? It's a classic, isn't it? But seriously, that's the number one. You power cycle your shit and it works. Generally, you know, I, I try that with myself. That's what sleep's all about. It's, you know, hard reset my body. <laughs> nah, dude. So, I mean, I'd say it works 99.9% .9 of the time. This um, frail um, meat sack that I'm inhabiting is like, um, it's, it's very good looking. Like yeah, it's very yeah. good and very good at certain things, but um, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm finding the chinks in its armor all of a sudden. It's very um, <laughs> yeah. we're working it, man. We're working it. Look, um, you um, you do well. You do well. I, I um, I had a. I understand the whole exploring the reset button. I I had an un Manchildian based unforced error last night where I just felt like I'd put in a pretty good day on planet Earth. I felt a little, you know, like all right, you can clock off now, son. You've done well. Well done on the planet, P boss. <laughs> And That's I not bad. Yeah, I immediately said, thanks, <laughs> P-Boss. Uh, and so I strode powerfully out to my gaming setup in the shed. And I thought, look, what I'll do is I'll just explore a little bit of the Modern Warfare campaign just for a while. Because I don't feel up to multiplayer because there's too much pressure there and I don't want to get all sweaty. And uh, I don't know, dude. I, I started playing and, yeah, it's so weird. You know, it can be five o'clock, six o'clock in the afternoon and you just feel like, just put me anywhere and I'll sleep. You know, you're like that yeah. war veteran in all the, the sergeant, the gnarly sergeant in the war movies. You can just right. sleep anywhere. Yeah. Um, 
And, yeah, all of a sudden I look over at the clock and it's quarter to two in the a.m. And it's just like, oh, oh wow. I've done it again. God Well, damn, I just man. decided, man, there was a certain level and I said, I'm going to do this entire bit with a pistol, you know. And and I did, man, but it, it <laughs> took a long time. That's wild, dude. I love it. That's not a bad campaign, actually, to be honest with you. I gave it a bit of a slap. Not much on the multiplayer. I didn't really give that any at all. But um, yeah, man, that was big budget, high production, Jerry Bruckheimer sort of shit. And it was good, man. I enjoyed well, it. I actually, as I was playing it, I kind of thought about some of the comments that you, you've alluded to in the last few episodes. And yeah, I was looking at it going, this is absolutely cinematic stuff. This is absolutely uh, quote unquote plot driven. It's character driven. Like what an interesting transition that we're seeing these days that, that games are trying to, you know, it's probably fair to say even if they get the plot wrong or convoluted, it's safe to say that they develop characters that you care about. They really do, man. They really do. And once again, we've given it, um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but they've got more time in which to give a character an arc, you know? So the campaign's about 10 hours. It's not that, you know, it's not that hefty, but nonetheless, it's a red hot rollicking ride, man. So yeah, I think it got overlooked a little bit there, the campaign, in fact, in that one, yeah. just because um, the multiplayer is so wah, in your face and exciting and I get it. But I did want to say just on you falling asleep whilst playing, playing the old video games a few years ago, <laughs> the title from the, um, the PS2 generation and it was Final Fantasy 12. Oh God. Um, and I do love me some Final Fantasies, but what this one did, it, um, it, it had a really excellent fighting system. And so what you did was you set up a series of gambits, which was sort of like basic programming to your, your AI companions. And you'd set them to do certain things in certain areas uh, when it was relevant. So what you can do is you push forwards and you can wipe out an entire dungeon without doing much at all. <laughs> That's exactly wow. what I did. I fell asleep at one point with my thumb forward. And whilst asleep, I cleared out a dungeon. Dude, uh. that. Gaming, if you ask me. Hot damn. Damn. That's even, next level stuff, even when sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> the, sleep sl- the sleep slayer. I, I love that, man. Like, it's gross, uh, isn't it? You got to love it too when you find that your laziness in life, uh, in the old uh, IRL, as I like to say, transposes over into the digital laziness. It's that's that's yeah. where you got to go. Ooh, I, I need to have a bit of a look at myself. <laughs> nah, not even a bit, man. If that's looking after you in a digital form too, it doesn't even really matter. As far as it's I'm true. concerned, it's true. Um, now today is, is episode five, and it is an yes. exciting and thrilling day. Um, and what we're going to discuss today, and what are we? What the- are we going to discuss? Well, for those who are playing at home and haven't necessarily heard um, any of our backlog, we discuss things um, in as much depth as we possibly can from all areas of pop culture. That will be movies, uh, big screen, small screen, video games, comic books, board games, and conspiracies, if we like, and just mm. general, general keep-uppery. Society is an interesting thing. And um, it's, it's, it's fun to explore it in as many avenues as we can, my dude. Um, and for those as well, like there are going to be probably some spoilers in here for us. So any of the films that we're mentioning and any of the uh, topics that we mentioned, there will probably be spoilers. So um, yeah, get yeah. onto it. Don't let that scare you away. Maybe that'll inspire you to see what we're talking about. But yeah. today, my dude, uh, what have yeah. we got? Tell our good good listeners what we're up to. Well, I am particularly excited about today because we haven't we have we've sort of nodded towards the idea of comedy, the genre, but 
today we're well and truly sort of peeling back the veil. And I think we're doing it in an interesting way because it is such a broad idea. And uh, it, was, it was you, my, my shiny little wizard, that came up with this idea of saying that what we're going to do is we're going to explore comedy through the very purveyors of it. So we're going to discuss um, some, of, some of the people that we think are the, the, greatest, uh, the greatest practitioners of the subtle art of comedy. Hmm. And as per usual... Um, we're going to attempt some sort of a classification or a rating system, and you guessed it. Because we're going towards the positive end uh, these days, listeners at home, we're going to be trying to get some people into the Qantas Lounge. For those that um, are sort of just coming on board or perhaps recovering from the uh, ear bashing that you've had for the last four episodes, and, you know, good luck to you, I suggest a little brandy and some toast. Um, Maybe some cheese. Yes, that's the cheese on the toast. There we go. <laughs> um, so what we're trying to say is if, if we believe films or ideas are pretty bad, they go down to the toilet bowl, or as we like to call it, the uve toilet bowl. Um, or if they're sort of if we if we feel like this is this is uh, wonderfully done, then we're going to try to sub uh, we're going to try to reduce the numbers. So we, for example, might mention 20 different comedians today. Um, knowing us, we probably will. Um, and we might make an effort to get five of them into what we call the Mount Rushmore, the Valhalla, the Qantas Lounge of Beautiful. practitioners of comedy. Oh, well said, my brother. That's exactly what we're going to attempt to do. The last episodes we have given a lot of uh, products and intellectual property and ear bashing, um, which has been, oh my God, it's been so much fun. Uh, particularly the, uh, the, the, the movie, uh, video game, um, episode was number four. If you want to look back and um, have a look at Uwe's bowl where we developed our rating system, it's been quite fun. And as people said, um, we were going to discuss, uh, comedy films about, and which are our favorites and which ones are, you know, worthy of Valhalla, but it's so broad, too um, broad. Yes, far too broad. And so we're going to boil it down into our favorite comedic actors. Now, whether that be large screen, small screen, or on the stage even, we may even mention. So if there's anyone that you feel like we miss out, um, please include it in the feedback section of our Facebook page. But also the fact is that um, it's really important for everyone to know, and I'm sure you're already well aware, comedy and humor is objective and subjective. What I find hilarious may not be your cup of tea or vice versa. You might be looking for some dick and fart jokes perhaps or something with a little bit more high quality, some intellect and wit, but we're going to attempt to smash both together because I believe there is a harmony between two forms of comedy. So, well, there is, isn't it? You know, we're trying to match. We're trying to sort of look at uh, perhaps can we squeeze some brains into a dick or a fart? Maybe you can. Who knows? We'll try. We'll give give it a red hot kraken. Um, but look, I'm going to throw it over to my um, my ever um, flatulent and powerful friend <laughs> sitting was, across yeah. from me. In prep. I resemble I resemble at least fifty percent of that. <laughs> you really do, and I know which fifty, and that's the best. Um, let's let's get kraken, shall we? Who, in your mind, has influenced you or inspired you, or at least given you a bit of a guffaw in your well. time on this planet? Well, gee, man, I am. I'm so excited to be doing this today. When you say Kraken, I spell that with a 
Okay, and I do, in my mind, think of a behemoth of a sea monster uh, trying to rip apart a uh, a multi-posted ship. And speaking of a behemoth, not necessarily from the sea or in any way connected to the sea, I'm going to start with a man who I think, for mine, uh, goes straight into the Qantas Lounge. That's how that's how f- on the front foot I am with this, and it is a man called David Chappelle. Oh, hello, Dave Chappelle. Genius answer, my bro. Thank you for bringing that. Um, so, so look, ledge. What is your what is your uh, earliest sort of interactions with with Chappelle that you can sort of you know you can think of? Well, I reckon it's probably his his show, the Chappelle show. It was just fantastic, and in particular, um, one of his uh, one of his skits that he did on that. He's um, he's obviously an African American man, but he plays this fellow who's in the KKK. He's a he's a blind black dude in the KKK, and it's uh, it's the easiest racial comedy from the perspective of Dave Chappelle. It's just fantastic, man. I just absolutely love him. And what in, what are you in particular referring to? Was it be stand-up or his skit show? Look, I first I first became aware of him, I'll be honest, through a little little film called Half Baked. He just grabbed my attention, just the way he delivered comedy, um, just uh, again that that sort of laconic way that uh, that he delivers his lines. I was a fan of his co-star in this movie, so um, originally sort of was drawn to the movie because another dude um, that I find very funny, a guy called Jim Brewer. Mm. And uh, ironically, Jim Brewer did not did not uh, was not a partaker of the Mary Jane, the jazz cigarette, the left handed cigarette, um, throughout the majority of this movie. Even though he looks incredibly ripped, eyes like <laughs> eyes like smashed Jaffers the whole film. So that was my that was my earliest sort of. Um, introduction, and then I started following and looking at what he'd done with stand-up, obviously, which is speaks unto itself. But I'm glad you mentioned the Chappelle Show. For mine, G Fresh, uh, the greatest television episodic-based comedy ever, for so many reasons. And we're probably going to have the Facebook page light up with what about Seinfeld? Uh, what about the Larry Sanders show? What about you just piss off? Um, <laughs> but for me, Chappelle's show was so incredibly impactful um, for, for a myriad of reasons. But you do talk about, you're, you are, of course, talking about Clayton Bigsby, the black white supremacist. <laughs> yeah. um, brother, that was the first sketch of the first episode that he led with. Is that so right? He really, he really was not. He was not being conservative. Like came out of the gate very hard with that show. Absolutely taking taking the piss right out of everything that we held dear. Parents were intellectuals, very very intelligent. So both, for, from my understanding, they were um, university level educators. So Dave grew up. Um, with 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 a sort of a, a reverence of intellect. So, although it's filled with you know, there's plenty of dick and bum and farts. Um, there's a lot of brain and a lot of heart in 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 this 
in the Chappelle Show. Only two, only two seasons, two seasons and, th- and and three episodes. A lot of people look back on that and go, "Really? I thought there was more." But mm. every show was a was just an absolute classic. Some of the actors that that were in it, you know, just as just as extras or on the side or support, Joe Rogan, Bill Burr, mm. Danelle Rawlings, yeah, incredible stuff. Very funny stuff for mine, brother. Well, dude, like that's the thing about him, like I. In my mind, he's more predominantly a stand-up dude um, because that's exactly what he's been doing for the last sort of 10 years now. And, almost and very well. <laughs> um, oh, so incredibly well. And mostly, I think, because he is incredibly political. He's incredibly – he's all out for social justice. And, you know, laughter, you know, when we boil it down, is some of the finest medicine. If you can't laugh at some of our problems, even – in particular, the really, really shitty ones, then, oh man, it, there's not much hope really, is there? You need to be able to find those little nuggets amongst the uh, amongst the bilge, my bro. And so Dave Chappelle does that absolutely perfectly and he's a perfect social commentator. And um, fine entry straight, as far as I'm concerned, to the Qantas. Oh, level, bro, very good. Yeah, pass, go, get your 200, yeah. sit down, order your beer and enjoy the nuts. God damn, love it, man. Well done. Bravo, sir. Um, well, look, I'm going to throw an entry at you right now. And this one Please. for me is really interesting because for a few years, um, when he started really becoming quite popular, I didn't like him at all. I ooh, thought he ooh. was a cameo actor at best, and he was much better in short doses and couldn't carry a film as the main actor. Um, oh, I'm fascinated now. The more recent years, I've really corrected myself, and I think that sort of consigns a little bit more with the consensus of Will Ferrell being one of the funniest, elastic-faced, most inappropriate, and just on-the-money dude that I can remember, to be honest with you. And as I said, I didn't I didn't really approve of him at the start. Like I thought, hmm, gee, he's a skit-based guy, and he is, you know, from Saturday Night Live. And he really wasn't um, cutting it for me. But, dude, then I saw Talladega Nights, and uh-huh. then I saw Step Brothers, and then I saw Anchorman, yeah. and the list, my bro, goes on. And I found his humor so ridiculously good. And in particular, the bit that will get me almost time and time again in Talladega Nights where he has to pull over and he thinks he's on fire, but he's in fact not You're on fire. not on and fire. He rips himself down. <laughs> and he's running across the th- It's just the most incredible thing. But a beautiful little cameo. I did say I much preferred him in cameo roles, but it was in Eastbound and Down, Danny oh, McBride's... Epic, epic little series um, where he plays uh, Kenny Powers, the uh, the disgraced and failed baseball pitcher, the star. Oh, yeah. and, oh so uh, Will Ferrell has a little role in that where he's um, oh, what is it? Ashley Ashley Schaefer. Ashley Schaefer, the car salesman. Talking and- about talking about <laughs> taking his plums. I got oh, ready feel to it. Shoot. Feeling it all take the him, way down to my plums. Take him to market. <laughs> Getting ready to take it to market. Oh, it is just perfect. And in particular, um, if you see that on um, YouTube, the outtakes from that particular 100%. scene, just type in way down in my plums, Will Ferrell outtakes. You watch Craig Robinson, who is also a contender for one of the funniest men alive as well, who I just love, um, and Danny McBride trying to keep it together as Will Ferrell has to do this over and over again. And it's the scene kept happening because Craig Robinson couldn't keep it together. <laughs> yeah. He just found yeah. it so damn funny. And that's it. Like, 
you know, that's a true proper improv comedian right there who's making his co-stars who are also powerful improv comedians. These guys are trained not to laugh at stuff like yeah, that. It's not their, not their first rodeo. <laughs> no. And here is Will Ferrell cutting through them all and bringing them to tears. Um, it's just fantastic. So, Will Ferrell, for you, my bro? Oh, 100%. Um, I'm not I'm – not, yeah, he's not a necessarily a straight into the Qantas lounge for me, but absolutely he is on my list. And look, if I can, I just want to drill down a little bit more on the whole likey, not likey thing um, because it's it's an interesting one. He's, he's possibly one of those comedians that I find is most divisive. Like people either just love, love his work, you know, they can smell what he's cooking or they just – do not find him funny. That's which right. I guess I guess might be the same with many comedians, but he seems to be the one that's at one end, arguably one of the biggest comedians in the world. Like yeah. you, you know, fair Currently, to say right now, yeah, fair to say. But um, yeah, on the other end, like I know lots. I I know I will say lots. Yeah, quite quite a few people that are like he's not funny, and you're like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. No. Well, I was that dude, man. Exactly what I'm saying. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what the moment was when all of a sudden I went, hmm, you know what? This guy Did is you, actually funny. Back in the day, like early support was Zoolander. Did you like him in Zoolander as Magatu? Um, not or, especially. And I think that's yeah. why, you know, yeah. like um, when he was as that character playing off against uh, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson in Zoolander. Um, he wasn't my favorite and he was yeah, the yeah, weakest yeah. part of that for me. And I don't know if it's because the other characters were so large and ridiculous that um, he had to be a little bit more so. I don't know. But his performance didn't gel for me and so I wasn't convinced. And I think that's a perfect example of when I sort of necessarily wasn't a fan. Well, it's interesting because as a fan, going back, that's probably the one of the few performances where I go, yeah, it still doesn't land for me. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Like, God bless his cotton socks. He's just going for it. And, you know, all these guys on their list, they they eternally get my respect as human beings that just go for it. They commit, man, you know? Completely. They are willing to make themselves look, you know, redonkulous. You know, and, and Feral, as an example, I'm thinking of him, you know, running down the middle of the street nude in old school, you know. That's right. We're streaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very interesting one for me. And he still is capable of putting out putting out movies that are, that that go on high rotation. Like you and I could probably quote line for line Step Brothers and Talladega Nights and be pretty accurate. But then, yeah, he still will put out a movie like House Party and a couple of the others where it's like, dude, that's a miss for me, man. I don't – that's possibly why for me he doesn't get into a Qantas Lounge. So Qantas Lounge entry for me is like you, you, you virtually never miss. So he's a fascinating cat from that perspective. Like I adore him. He's got – he's made – if we did a list of top 20 comedies, he's probably in two or three, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, agree with, I, I agree with you. He is – just so humorous, just just so brave. Um, yeah, good one, my buddy. Good Thank one, you, my bro. Thank you. I, Thank I, you. I knew we I knew we'd have some lists that sort of uh, line up, which is brilliant. And I also really look forward to the ones that are different. Me too. Um, Fire away. Mine, by the way, are in no sort of order. I guess I guess chronologically, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I've got two entries sort of in the same slot or the same category, four names in total. So I've got the Marx Brothers slash the Three Stooges. Mm -hmm. um, and if I was pushed 
as to which of those two I I had to choose for me, it would be the Marx Brothers. Um, I'll say I'll say those two groups just because I adored watching the transference of vaudeville comedy to mm. the screen. So all of these actors that I'm that I'm talking about were guys were guys that were just treading the boards, doing it on stage, you know. Yeah. So I, I just really respect the physicality of these dudes' comedy. Stooges is funny to me. It's it's far more dick and bum. Um, but the Marx Brothers had some clever stuff. You know, the fact that Harpo was, you know, didn't speak and did a lot of his communication through, you know, like a some sort of a time lord just pulling pulling, uh, you know, stuff out of his jacket. Yeah. That- must be tr- dimensionally transcendental, um, and and the great the great Groucho Marx just just a quick dude like quick one liner quips. Um, I'm not sure where you sort of stand on well, those guys or I re- respect them incredibly for being frontier breakers. You right. know, um, right. the yeah, yeah. Um, for me um, comes second under the Marx Brothers because the Stooges were far as you say like dick and fart yes, but very slapstick, and that is fun that is infinitely funny you know the whole poking everyone in the eyes and avoiding it and all that sort of stuff it invented a whole thing the marx brothers was just smarter and i think i i'm lended i lend myself to uh you know that um that mental chewing gum we were discussing a few episodes back where i need maybe just a little bit more you know yeah yeah. and um yeah the marx brothers in spades man groucho one of the most i you can still buy groucho marx um little Glasses with the mustache on them at uh, toy shops, and yes. no one knows who that is anymore. Yes. You know, but it's still such an iconic thing to yes. have a Groucho face. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Groucho Marx almost—he by himself, in fact, can almost saunter up into the, uh, the Qantas lounge and start on the canapes, if you don't mind me saying. I agree, man. I think he's like the forefather. He's one of the one of the icons of just the quick, quippy, fast-witted comedian. Like just you know. Um, this always this always reminds me of a story. If you, if if I can segue momentarily, G Fresh, oh, go on. Then. We, you know, um, at my young my my brother my younger brother's twenty first. I'll never forget it. I turned up with a bunch of my mates. Uh, they he was you know much as beloved as by my mates as his mates, and we're all sort of you know familial. And uh, I don't know. We get we get into it. Beverages are flowing, and he comes over to me and goes, "Oh, I need you to make a speech." I'm like, "Sorry, what?" <laughs> Cue record needle noise. What? <laughs> yeah, man, can you just get up and make a speech? It's like, okay, cool. You know what would have been good? Notice. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah. And anyway, so I got up and just off the cuff, I was like, "What am I going to do?" So I just um, went into this ad lib story about my brother's done really well growing up in my shadow. I really was worried about him. I didn't want him to be caught up in my shadow, much like the lesser known Marx Brothers stretch and skid. Mm-hmm. Went for the gag. Half the room appreciated it. The other half just yeah, just crickets. Really land. <laughs> Damn it, man. Oh, it's always such a gimmick, isn't it? That's like when someone says, hey, man, tell me a joke. Oh, uh, really? You wait till I'm ready and I'll tell you a damn joke, you know, which is never. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm not a jukebox, sir. <laughs> um, right. And the other, sorry, just to try to re-rail my derail, the other two names that I think we should put in foundational would be a one Charlie Chaplin and a oh. one Buster Keaton. Hundred percent physical comedy at its absolute finest, and in particular for me, I mean Chaplin is uh, an absolute genius, absolute genius. But 
Buster Keaton for me, that physical comedy wow. uh, before the era of stunt people, when he's literally hanging onto a train, he's standing there in that building, the classic where, you know, the building falls on him, but he goes through the window instead Absolutely. of it crushing him. Hell, man. Oh, you dude, can't train that. He just did that, man. Hanging off trains, hanging off clock towers. Like, it's yeah. just like you don't have Jackie Chan if you don't have Keaton. And that's. No, you don't. You know, that's um, you've got to love it when this crazy Hong Kong action star cites of all his influences, Buster Keaton is the biggest influence, you know? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And so um, these people throw themselves downstairs and stuff for our amusement. Absolutely. And I can't be more grateful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do it, damn it. I'm happy no. to watch it. Well, I do do it, but I, it's never intentional. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I just want to chuck out a word there in case um, not any, not a lot of people. Do you know the word? It's a German word. It's uh, Schadenfreude. Do you know this word? Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to be honest and say I don't. It's it, no, no. wonderful. Schadenfreude is a German word, very exclusive to German. Um, and that's where English fails in a lot of ways in so many fashions as well that we don't have particular words for particular things. Like the Swedish and, and, the, and the Norwegians have nearly 20 words for snow, different snow, hard wow. snow, soft snow, packed snow, all of this sort of stuff. Is that now, just because they're uh, bored though? Are they just bored? Like There are so many different kinds of snow. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah. They, their culture is also, you know, 3,000 years old. So it's got, just, yeah, they've yeah. had some time, you know, they they've had some time. To do. To me, that's <laughs> yeah. just dudes sitting in a cabin going, okay, there are this fluffy snow. Oh, look over there. Exactly. I'd, be like, I'd be like, dudes, it's snow. Are we going to do some <laughs> I'm sorry. That's exactly it, dude. But schadenfreude is, um, is the laughter that you have when you're laughing at someone else's misfortune. So that's why watching people fall downstairs, when it's an accident, like on a Funniest Home Video thing, and now it's just um, YouTube compilations the funniest people falling down the stairs of the month mm. that when you're laughing at that is schadenfreude someone else wow. is yeah that's great isn't it and that's why slapstick and that sort of stunt work um that's synthesized um schadenfreude because we know that actually hasn't actually happened to the person that they're probably fine you know and so we get a really red hot belly laugh out of it fascinating but when someone has literally fallen down the stairs and it does actually look quite painful you still laugh it's still schadenfreude yeah so it's a schadenfreude i love it yeah schaden you know e i'm butchering it deliberately i know right? what yeah. are you schaden i see what you're doing yeah oh yeah. you'd think yeah. i'd know by now i didn't God. yeah I, yeah kin, i didn't go to <laughs> kindergarten i went to kinder schaden kinder um, schaden hmm. and i think <laughs> i think the interesting thing for me about chaplin is there might be a a bit of a similarity between the comparison we drew between Marx Brothers and Stooges uh, and Chaplin um, and and Keaton in that Chaplin was quite clever too. I mean, oh yeah, his his famous portrayal and and the lovely monologue that he goes on in the I think it's the Dictator where he's yeah yeah I mean really meaningful stuff and you know the cat was making cat was making movies. You know, uh, spanning fifty years, you know, um, oh, or, yeah. or possibly more. So, not to derail too much, but I just thought I'd mention those little foundational guys because I think it would be remiss of us if we if we well, didn't. Yeah, and it'd be a very different world if they hadn't have done what they did, and we'd probably be having vastly different conversation now. You know, yeah. so God yeah. bless them. I love yeah. it. Well yep. mentioned, sir. Well mentioned. All right, well, I'm going to keep going here. Now, this is a well, little bit you need unexpected. That's well, how the show work. goes. Yeah, if you <laughs> don't keep going, <laughs> yeah. this show just <laughs> sucks. Mean. It's me going, Yeah. oh, okay, well, another one I thought of was... <laughs> and me just reacting and nodding my head. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I'm going to throw another one at you. He's probably Please. not as well known, but 
hell, heavens above. His name's Ken Jung. And oh, um, wow. Dr. A, Ken Jung. Dr. Ken Jung. This man, to me, I mean, he's been in, in um, he's been in a bunch of films, all of the Hangover films, but probably more famously and notably is in Dan, Dan Harmon's uh, Community, which also stars oh, yeah. Chevy Chase, among others. But he, playing Senor Ben Chang, is one of the finest and funniest comedic contributions to the human race that I can think of. And whenever he's on screen, man, he completely steals the show. He's so irreverent and he is so ridiculously on the money. And he's another one, as you mentioned with, you know, Will Ferrell when he's streaking or he's, he's on Invisible Fire. Ken Jung is... He's not your typically handsome built man. And he is very, very happy to take his clothes off at any given point. And he's a very skinny fella. And he's even quoted himself at saying like he's got the body of a 12 year old boy and he really does he's a very small fella but he's also a gp like he's a he's an actual doctor he's a which doctor. is just phenomenal and so he's got a couple of um uh he's got a channel of his own where ask dr ken and he will answer your um medical queries uh in the most accurate and sensitive and spot on but very humorous way he's yeah. an Absolute legend, this guy, man. Have you, you know who I'm talking about, right? Absolutely, I do. 100%. Ah, ah. And again, a kind of a unique, a unique delivery of his lines. I guess he's kind of he's not a leading comedian, right? He's not a he's not a leading man carry his own vehicle thing. But he he has this weird thing where he walks on set and you cannot take your eyes off him, and you're yep. waiting for him to speak. Yep, 100%. And he's got this beautiful thing because his name's Chang in the show community. And um, by the second season, um, he's really quite disheveled, the character that is. And um, he just uses his name, Chang, as uh, as a pun at every given opportunity he can. And he's trying to get into the study group, you know, like the community study group. And he says, I'm just wondering if you guys have got any room in your pockets for a little spare Chang. And it's just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just great. Yeah. And it's consistent, you know? And um, yeah, so he's, um, he's one of my entries there. And I'm glad I thought of him because I nearly overlooked the dude, but he deserves no overlooking. In Absolutely, my brother. This next guy is, for me... A straight walk in, stroll in, and sit down next to Dave Chappelle, and that would be that would be Jim Carrey. I uh, mean, Captain Elastic Face. Oh my God! Here's a here's another guy that's gone on a bit of a journey. Here's another guy that, for a section of his career, divided rooms. I remember, I remember people really writing him off quite early, in terms of the whole. Oh, you just overact. You just overdoes stuff. That's his thing which I just find such a reductive, dismissive description of what this man brings to um, a stage or a screen. Brother, talk to me. Can we, can we just give this man a seat in the, in the Qantas lounge without yeah, much of a dispute? Yeah. I'm I did, pretty I, sure we can. Yeah, yeah, like we really can. I first experienced him, I think, in The Mask, which is, oh, well, that's classically, and you can see why people think like, yeah, man, that performance is over the top. But if anyone's read the comic book, and I don't know if a lot of people know that The Mask is a comic book, no, and they, it's actually quite hideously violent as well. So the Absolutely. movie is so very tame compared to, uh, you know, what the comic book provides us. But... Dude, yes, he's over the top, but is he funny? Absolutely, the whole time. 
Like he really, really is, man. And it's his ability to do phenomenal impersonations, to have his face contort into and his body into almost any shape he wills it to be, and then use it for your, you know, your humorous purposes. Thank you, Jim Carrey. No, he's an absolute legend. But that's another one as well that um, for me in conversations we've had in the past about comedic actors who in fact thrive um, when given a dramatic role. So you oh, put yeah. him into something like uh, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind and look what he can do with, a, you know, a really well-rounded and fleshed out character with a proper arc and a proper story and a good conclusion. So he's a fine shining example, man, a fine addition to the Qantas Lounge. Enjoy the look, canapes, Jim. I might try to explore one title which really divides community. It is the Ben Stiller-directed Cable Guy that I absolutely love that many, many people, even fans of Jim, can't stand. Who uh, I am putting my hand up. I know you are. That's, that I'm one of them. Yeah, um, that's what, man. I won't go into why, because tell me, why? What about Cable Guy? Because you compare that to uh, the Truman Show or any of the Ace Venturas, Mm. The why for me, the why of the cable guy, it's quite relatively early. We're talking 1996 to explore a darker comedy, you know, with a guy that was top of the top of the tree then, you know, by by 96 he was, you know, coming off a string of box office sensations and it's and it's you know safe to say that he's almost you know positioned as as the, one of the biggest comedians even back then i just really respected his tangential turn into the cable guy which not to try to seek too much of an intellectual property to something that may not have it but it was exploring mental illness it was exploring a, a dark dark menacing side to comedy and i thought I thought it was quite clever. Did it achieve everything that it set out to do? Ah, probably not. But I thought Broderick carried it beautifully. And yeah, the real the real descent into, okay, this guy's funny. Oh, he's eccentric. Oh, he's a bit weird. Oh, he's crossing the line to, you know, the dude dude becomes a stalker, like a like a like almost just just short of like a, a serial killer type sort of dude. It's it's got something, my cuz, that I that I find morbidly fascinating. And I and I feel like it might be the first time that Jim started to explore his drama seps that he later flexed in other movies. Yeah. Well, look, that's a really good appraisal, man. Like, well done. You're right. Like, I didn't see much into that uh, film at all, really, considering that I'm waiting all the time for more of a Jim Carreyism, a Spooky. bit more of a control. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right. You know, or an alrighty then, or yeah. you know, something like, like that. A glove. So, I suppose for me, that's um, that's why, and that's not to say. I mean, you know, I could probably give it a red hot rewatch, but look, I, my, you know, that's my not thing to say is it's bad. My thing is this, and I promise you they don't have me on a commission, but if if you just explore the cast, so Jim Carrey, Matthew Broderick, Leslie Mann, Jack Black, George Segal, Ben Stiller, Eric Roberts, Janine Garofalo, um, and you know, Andy Dick, David Cross, Owen Wilson. You know, like it's got Yeah, yeah. It's got some funny dudes in it. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's got something about it. It's only getting a lazy six on IMDb. I'd have a tankard of mead with you and sit down, and I'd be I'd be interested in a rewatch, man. I would let that happen, man. I would let that happen. Um, 
truly, and that's an ensemble cast too. So maybe that's why, in a way, he may have been, in fact, slightly overshadowed by his uh, cameo comedians. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, Possibly. for me. Yeah. Nonetheless, right. having said all of that, Jim Carrey, well and truly, yes. You know, love yes, the dude. Yes, yes, yes. Just for his uh, iconicism when it comes to comedy. Comedy? Comedy. <laughs> Hey, hey, dude, we've established it before. We've got a podcast. We get to make up words, all right? We do? Oh, thank Ryan. goodness. All right. Patent that bad boy. Yeah. Right up, my dude. Open all right. Well, I'm going to um, I'm I'm fire Bill Bailey at you incredibly quickly because Bill I Bailey. think Bill Bailey is one of the sharpest, funniest, most talented men on the planet. Old and if Bill you've Bailey. never seen, um, he's got a series of stand-ups um, that he did off the back of um, the ever successful and ridiculously good black books um he it's part troll is this stand-up and i think you can find it anywhere where you can stream stuff it is the funniest damn show and it's along the same lines of like um who we may even mention later i'm not sure but it ricky gervaisism yeah yeah, yeah. stand-up we'll, delivery we'll get to that um and but what he does is he's the most fan bloody tastic musician he's incredible like, right insanely good and on the piano on the guitar on anything he's got all the effects pedals and he does musical comedy social commentary and pulls apart you know the biggest issues of the planet also while making you laugh intelligently brother and he, dude, he's like a, he's like an english reggie watts like it's it's very yeah very cerebral very clever all delivered with a you know thick thick slathering of buffoonery which just makes exactly. it accessible so that's where that that perfect blending of um a little bit puerile <laughs> dick and fart smut jokes crossed with ultra intelligence is oh that's refreshing and that's interesting as well because it seems that the smartest most brilliant people in the world um enjoy the dick and fart jokes as much as any of us oh, so what I, does that yeah. say you well, know about the quality there. What it says to me is, I don't think you. I I doubt, I doubt you could be a comedian, um, and not find a fart joke or a dick joke funny. You said that with huge amount of confidence too. <laughs> well, I <laughs> yeah, guess no. I guess someone like Jerry Seinfeld came to mind as I said that. But I think mostly the people that we love um, and adore. For me, even as I say, Jerry Seinfeld, he's actually not on my list. No, no um, dude, he's not even close to my list. I'm afraid. And and, no. and and I and I and I give a ton of respect to him, but mm. um, there's only so much I can do with what is the deal, you know? Yeah. And if you're going to give a Seinfeld accolade, it pretty much goes to Larry David anyway, who yeah. um yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. conceived the whole thing and then curb your enthusiasm. I find a bit funnier than Seinfeld. It just yeah, is, you know, 100%. for me. Hundred percent. But, but I don't want to take I, away. Yeah, I don't want right. to take away any thunder. Um, I uh, Bill Bailey, dude, great pull, brother. Like that is mm. a good pull. Like I, I, it didn't come to mind immediately, but he's another guy that I, I just, I can't take my eyes off the cat. And yeah, so physical, it. man. His yeah. black books, his physical comedy, and his delivery is just like, oh man. Like I've seen every episode fifty times, but mm. I'm just watching him dig himself into more trouble, and I'm loving it. I'm, at, I'm engaged, cause. Hundred percent, man, and I think Black Books as well is a, in particular, was a program. I remember when it first came out on telly, and everyone's saying, "Oh, you gotta watch Black Books," and like, piss off! I don't have to do what you say. So yeah. consequently, 
for no reason really at all, I didn't watch black books for some years. Oh, and you. people are all saying to me, dude, this is for you. You're actually going to really like it. I'm like, yeah, I don't like Rawr. it. Get out yeah. of my house. Yeah, yeah. Come, please. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I'm going gonna, gonna to sit here in my Rage Against the Machine t-shirt and just right. be intense. Just, just rage. Wow. Yeah. And so eventually, like, um, I got rather crook. Like, I had, had like, influenza, and it wasn't hugely pleasant. And yeah, um, right. someone gave me the, the box set. I'm like, oh, how dare you? I don't want to watch this. Wow. Well, I watched it, and then I re-watched it, and then I re-watched it, and then I was quoting it, and then I was telling all the people who had already told me, oh, my God, Black Books is the best. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we've been telling you for eight years, dude. So, you know, me it's telling you to one. jump on um, community, don't necessarily, you know, get there in your own time, do what you need to do. I wouldn't say that Black Books is necessarily main mainstream, and I'm don't get me wrong, I dig that, but... I do. I do know people that don't get it, that are not interested in it. It's 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 very triggering for me. Yeah, and it's a little bit upsetting, really, because I feel like um, the people that are missing it are actually missing out on something. They're missing out on. There's a subtlety there that they haven't got, and it's just a little bit. It's okay if you don't like it. If you're one of the dudes out there that's sitting there going, "Oh, I didn't like it," that's all right. Get to it when you can and see what we're saying. But. It, it's far subtler, you know, in a lot of ways. Apart it's, from Bernard um, Black's drunkenness, let's not subtle at all. But it's um, it's fair to say that it's got a, it's got a more gentle pacing. It's not a, as we've described before, it's not a knock you over, jump on your chest, and pull out the laughs type comedy. It's got a, it's got a gentle pacing. I mean, it's, to me, it's, ve- it is very English, and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I like that. Well, that's where comedy and we'll talk about who really pioneered modern skit-based comedy i'm sure by the end of the program because there's a of course hell of a, a hell of a behemoth dimension um but yeah english comedy is uh pretty much the uh the pioneer and the, you know the creators of modern laughs as far as i'm concerned especially 60s 70s and 80s that's when it was really at man and we will talk about that towards the end of the program <laughs> yeah now anyway firing right along who you got there bro um look I'm going to go with Chris Farley. Ooh, um, that was unexpected. Yes, not not unhappy about that, but unexpected. Yeah, brother. Well, you, you, I had such an enjoyable time with Bill Bailey. Then I felt like, all right, let's let's throw, let's return one that might be less predictable. Um, Chris Farley for me, uh, you know, I, I I went through a phase where I would gift people Tommy Boy, like whoever uh, whoever you were, whatever you were celebrating. Surprise, surprise, PBOS has given you a copy of Tommy Boy. Um, I felt like I was spreading the love and he's almost occupying a spot that I was arguing between him and Belushi. Which Belushi? Oh, John, for me. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. there is. Okay. There you had is, to say, Jim, I was going to hang up the headphones right now. I get it, yeah. I ha- mm. Well, I remember the last time I mentioned Jim Belushi to you and, yeah, it didn't go well for me. I've still got the scars. Yes. Well, I had to defend myself. You were so angry. I uh, I just find um, Farley is was just a uniquely, savagely um, physical and accessible and vulnerable and lovable dude. That um, another one for me that I just I just couldn't take my eyes off him. And another champion of Saturday Night Live. Another standout performer. In a in a in a team that was outstanding at the time too, so wasn't like he was just uh, being really really funny when he was surrounded by people that were just not you know not not getting there. Yeah, brother, 
Farley for me. I mean, even stupid stuff. He did stupid comedy really well. Like, I don't think, obviously, God rest, he left us, you know, before before he was probably moving into a more introspective or mature time in his life. But, you know, there's a guy that does the dick and the bum and the farts um, and the yelling comedy because, you know, we've talked about how Will, Will Ferrell can do that. Well, Farley, in my opinion, did it better. You know, even a stupid movie like Beverly Hills Ninja, that like was I said, stupid. <laughs> that was absolutely stupid, but just had had great moments in it. But SNL, dude, like, uh, you know, the uh, the motivational speaker, the speaker, the van down by the river, you know, just, just a great, yeah, yeah. Just a great he was, dude. Um, he left us too early. He really did, yeah. And his uh, favourite role... Um, of uh, his of mine is um, the bus driver in Billy Madison. Absolutely, Billy Madison, and um, it was really nice. Like you see, you know that generation, particularly when Adam Sandler. And I'm not sure if we're mentioning Adam Sandler today. Um, I'm not going to. I'm brazenly going to say that he was. He really did sort of go into the um, the yelling comedy, and and the troops that they sort of had at the time was Chris Farley, um, Rob Schneider. Uh, Adam Sandler himself, and Spade. who else is in there? David Spade, and there are a couple of others. Chris Rock, maybe he wasn't really part of the clique, was he? But he was definitely included. Well, in, I mean, you would, you did have Carvey and Myers in there in that era. Yeah, that's also true. And so, yeah, that's where he, that's where he resides. Norm McDonald, you know, that's right. Yeah, in the Saturday Night Live in the mid nineties. That's um, that was a good era, man. Very good entry, bro. Thank you. Yeah. So what he got? Hit the ball back, son. I'm going to hit it straight back with Tina Fey, my bro. Oh, She's our right. first human female representative today, which um, I was starting to get a little bit conscious of, to be honest with you. You know, really. Um, I, I wondered if it was a separate category. I wondered if if it was male, female, because, nah, yeah, I was nah, thinking just, about the same thing, but play on, son. Not even. Um, and it's pretty much all down exclusively to 30 Rock, how she is – so cuttingly funny in that and self-deprecating and she's just charming as hell and when she's because it's her show she wrote it and i think she directed most of it and she's won uh you know golden globes for it it is so damn good and um anything with a 20 minute episode runtime for me man i tell you that's where it's at which means that i can you can punch through four and be happy. You've got your fix. You've sat there for the same amount of time you would have for a movie. And the formula is just so damn good. And she's just charming as hell, man. And I find her ridiculously funny. And every episode of 30 Rock is a Star Wars joke. So I know she's on our level, you know. And oh, um, man. she's man. got the, the ability to wrangle the finest comedians together to do what she wills. Oh, dude. And, and to me, it almost comes down to two opposite two polar opposites to measure the same metric, right? If you can write and land it and have it be incredibly funny and arguably each actor's best role, if you can write at one end for Alec Baldwin and at the other end, if you can write for Tracy Morgan Cuzzy and have it just be completely funny because there's two dudes that approach comedy in such a different way. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, that series turned me. Like I've always had a... I've always had a suspicion that Alec Baldwin is a horrible human being. I don't know, you know, pure, purely just armchair judgment. But um, oh, he he was he was amazing in that, and of course Tracy Morgan, who I've always adored, was just even better in that. And you're right, the the commonality between that is Tina Fey's influence, her writing, her directing, 
Yeah, and you're right. Probably, dude, probably the some of the best examples of Star Wars reference or jokes in popular culture, um, second maybe only to Family Guy, like some seriously good Star Wars Star Wars reference and jokes. Yeah, she's another one, and her delivery is seamless and effortless. Yeah, um, completely. That sets off a cascade of, of female comedians who, who I adore. Um, obviously, I'm going to transfer from that one if you're done, by the way. Yeah, Sorry, go, to- man, go. Amy Poehler is another one for me that's just just incredible, like definitely on my list. Not sure Tender if Tender get- have done a lot of work, haven't they? Sorry to cut you off, but they've done a bunch of skits together. Absolutely. genius. Yeah. Again, again, you've got SNL. You've got SNL alumni. You've got, um, you've got them each moving into their own vehicles, their own shows. I mean, I don't know where you stand on parks and recreation, but I still think that is an incredibly underrated comedy. That show was so funny. Yeah. I think I was, I don't know, two, three minutes in going, oh, my God, it's like Christopher Guest wrote a TV series. This is a, <laughs> yeah. a mockumentary-style – I mean, and that's – again, that's Amy Poehler, like, like influencing again. She had a lot of influence because they're both incredible writers and not, not all comedians are great writers. That's a gimmick too, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's where someone's comedy like, um, you know, Tina Fey in particular really shines through because as you say, she can write for the opposite spectrums, man. And everything in between just falls into place. Yeah. She's an absolute genius. Yeah. Yeah. So Amy Poehler, I think uh, Kristen Wiig. Oh, I'm so glad you went there. Man, what a legend. She is the damn funniest. And she's, you know, hot property right now. She is the go-to Hollywood female comedian. And I love that. And I'm very glad for it. And um, closely second behind her would be um, Kate McKinnon. And they both starred in um, 2016's Ghostbusters together. Um, And I thought they together were so ridiculously good. And But Kate McKinnon in particular, oh, now that's called stealing the show, literally couldn't look at anyone else on screen while she was there. Just insane. Well, well, Kate McKinnon's a funny one for me. I will respectfully bow and watch everything that she does, much the same as I would to a Bill Hader, but neither of those are on my list. I find those two very similar. I get obsessed with impersonations, dude. I go down wormholes. I love people who can do it well. Um, And those two are very similar because, I mean, dude, they're spot on. Like um, who, who, Tina Fey did um, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Oh, so damn well. Like too good. In fact, she looked so much like her. They, I can't remember which news network did it, but they used a picture of Tina Fey playing Sarah Palin instead of an actual <laughs> image of Sarah Palin. Yeah. Can't believe it's just, not Palin. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. And I think Anne McKinnon does a really great uh, Hillary as well. Dude, McKinnon does oh. everyone. She does everyone. She does Ellen. She, do, you know, she does it all. So yeah, that was just a qu- quick rapid fire of female comedians who are just leading the way. Um, Geez, while we're on the female comedians, you can't you can't ignore Roseanne Barr. You can now because clearly she's crackers, and there's just certain medications that one should not combine with alcohol. But Roseanne Barr was a murderer back in the day, son. On stage, you know, a stand-up comedian that was killing that original TV series. That was that was funny as hell. Funny as hell. Just wanted to mention that because unfortunately she's now residing in the, in the uh, underneath the yellow lollies in the Uve Bowl. 
Yeah, she sure is. You know, yeah, irredeemably too. But yeah, I remember, look, man, I watched a lot of Roseanne in my time and that was um, entry level. Darlene, Jack. Yeah. I mean, it's just horrible. It really is. I don't know if I could watch it now, to be honest with you, but yeah, no, I'm with you just for frontier breaking and iconicism um, and doing it for the girls. <laughs> That's right. She really, really That's did right. it, man. Just great. That's right. Yeah. For mine, this is a, this is a Valhalla members lounge straight in my brother. I'm going straight in every time though. This is the, th- no, I've not put a single one of my guys in there, you know, uh, not even one. I've got uh, two that I'm going to, two are uh, that I'm putting straight in in a minute. All right. So you well, know, you've, so you've already put three, right? Uh, this, this, this is this number would, three. Is it? Yeah. This would be a yeah. third. All right. Well, you yeah. better go then. Nah, bugger it. Go for it, man. I like it. I bet you it's, I bet you, I bet, bet, bet money that I don't have. I bet my children's inheritance that really should start preparing for Bill Murray. Ah, there you are. Okay, good. That was close. See? Yeah, all right, all right, all right. See? Yeah, all I'm right, with you. All right, okay, all right. Man. Yeah, all right. Bill the Murray. So to quote, legend. to quote the RZA, Bill ghost busting ass movie. <laughs> From coffee and cigarettes, obviously. Right, um, that's a good scene. I, I, do, I don't even know where to begin or what to say about this guy. I just think that this might be the best example of uh, a comedian crossing over into serious work, you know, right up there with, you know, if you saw me a Tom, Tom Hanks or a Robin Williams, I'd, I'd look to raise you for Bill Murray. This is a man that puts a comedic performance arguably in movies that aren't comedy. I would say one of his more famous or more popular ones um, being Lost in Translation mm. is funny, and that's not a comedy. No. No, um, it's not. It's and, it's a know, tragedy. And th- there's and, comedy and tragedy like that. Though, exactly. So, and the last bit before I cross to you, because I, I know you've got stuff to say, is I've given you my formula, haven't I, of how you make everything just into a Bill Murrayism? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So for the for the players at home, if you want if you want to just add a sprinkle a little bit of Murray into your day, just extend any a any words that have a. I like to start with the word happen. Um, so happen. So for example, the way you or I would say it is happen. The way Murray would say it was happen. <laughs> and there you go. So all you got to do That's is good. get those days, just yeah, just spread them apart and happen. That's, That's a Grady. Well, look, man, what a fine entry. And I was going to mention him exactly as well, because it's, um, he's just got that, some of his films, man. I mean, Ghostbusters one and two, for instance, some of the best, funniest films still, um, that, that have existed, man. I just love it. And you can see in the background, hang on. Can you see that? Yeah. On my yes, wall. I can. I, got the, I, yes, can. I can see that Ghost horrible Busters. stain. Oh, sorry. Yes. The poster. And you saw the poster too. Thank you. Yeah, I did. But yeah, man, incredible films. And he's not stopped. And he seems like he's a red hot, excellent dude as well. And that's what I just love about it. Well, that's the interesting thing I reckon I wanted to just mention. It seems like he's a red hot, awesome dude now. But for a long time, man, he had a pretty, pretty salty reputation. And that's okay. A lot of the, a lot of a lot of greats do. He was known for being pretty salty and divisive, even back in the Dizay on on SNL. Um, but yeah, the, a lot of a lot of people will sort of attest to here. Just just he's mellowed out and he's just doing his thing. But um, what an enigma! Is there any more of an enigma in Hollywood? Like he's almost he's out enigmaing Christopher Walken. Like there's yeah. no other Bill Murray. There's no nothing like him. Nothing even close. 
Like he's an absolute doom star, dude. I just love this dude, man. Completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, he's straight to the lounge as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and I know this is going to be a contentious issue for you in particular because I know Bring how it. much you enjoy this particular film of which I didn't enjoy his performance in particular. Oh, what I are you doing? Anyone else could have done this, man. Are you, have you got your Rage Against the Machine T-shirt back on again? I do. It's my underpants this time. Battle for Los Angeles. Like, oh. boy, there. Yeah, but no, this one film, and I know you've mentioned it, and it's going to piss you off a little bit, and I'm sorry hey, about that. But this right. is where I think it's you know creates a good show with a little bit of friction. Yeah, I didn't enjoy him or his character in Caddyshack. <sighs> Oh what? Jesus! I'm I don't sorry. think you just, you've ever told me this. Yeah, you just dropped the glass, man. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think I. Now think, wait, wait, just wait, hear me wait. out. Oh, no, yeah, no, no. Wait, wait. Okay. So, when's the last time you saw it? Oh, like last year. Okay. Like it's recent enough. It's recent. Were you enough. really sad? Were you really sad and introspective at that, that <laughs> point when you watched it? I don't know. Maybe, man. Maybe I had something really weird for breakfast, you know? Had I had you four been weeks like, instead of five. Had you been like sipping too much absinthe and listening to Nick Cave and then thought, That's oh. That's a normal oh, day. There's yeah. no such thing as too much arms. <laughs> now put on no. Caddyshack. Oh, I hate everyone, man. <laughs> yeah. No, man. But I tell you, I just feel like anyone could have done that. That role okay. in particular. Okay. As the groundskeeper. He okay. is stupid. Interesting. And it didn't Keep take going. Go on. any... It didn't take any of his skills to do that job. Not even one. So I'm saying anyone could have done that, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you make How's the absinthe? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Into my arms. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think that you can refute that. I reckon anyone else could have done that job. There was nothing Bill Murray about it. He was stupid. And I don't think stupidity is very funny. Listen, listen, I, I love you. I have such deep respect for you, which is why <laughs> the next time I see you, I won't suplex you. But if <laughs> you were anyone else, you know. Atomic dropped. Oh, yeah, I'd be getting Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to tell you something, Gene Oakland. Um yeah, look, I, I disagree, obviously, you know, on the survey, disagree strongly, um, particularly because half of the scenes were ad-libbed, so I don't think anyone else could have done it. I love the scene with him and Chevy Chase when they go into his little office home. You know, it's a little harsh. It's a little harsh. Been growing his own grass. and But, yeah, I would say for me, Bill uh, Caddyshack is definitely not the movie that I'm going to go, this is, this is Bill Murray at his finest. I feel like... I feel like that's Bill Murray just, yeah, turning up and murraying. Look, you know, that's fine. We'll agree to disagree. Yeah, it's not his finest for sure. When I think of Caddyshack, I don't necessarily think of him first. I would probably think of another guy on this list as being Chevy Chase first or even Rodney Dangerfield. Listen to me trying to back away from my little guy in Caddyshack. Look what you've done away. to me. No, I'm so sorry. I knew this was um, going to be contentious when I was going to say it. Because uh, oh, yeah, last- look, look, we had to have we had to have our first argument, bro. We had to have our first podcast argument. Well, you know? look, just to give the listeners at home and uh, a little bit of reference, we've um, we've attempted a similar program like this before and decided we'd redo it. And uh, um, yes. P Boss waxed and waxed and waxed about the virtues of Caddyshack, and I 100% agree with you. I love that film, but more specifically, it was the Bill Murray thing where I just who would you recast? 
mild and gritted. Who would you anyone. put Anyone. Oh, come on. You've got anyone. a strong position. You got to, You can't come up with anyone. All right, Dan Aykroyd, done. Yeah, he could have done the same thing easily, I think. Anyone from that generation, Eddie Murphy could have done it. Um, Tina Fey, give it to her now. She could have done it. Oh, she it doesn't. Very it young. It would have been strange. Having a <laughs> she child. would have been in the cradle. Yeah. Yeah. Very the, strange. How did you get the job of groundskeeper? The, <laughs> you know, the marijuana <laughs> scenes <laughs> off the books. Then. Uh, so, what's his finest moment for you? It, for me, it's Peter Venkman. Peter Venkman, dude. I he just, played the goddamn guy three times, two in a film and one in the video game. And The scene, again, ad-libbed when he first comes into Miss Barrett's apartment and just doing retake after retake and the and the director just wasn't happy and then, you know, in the end just went, oh, come on, Bill, just do something. And, of course, so, you know, Murray comes in and straight over to the piano and, you know, dig 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 with the keys. <laughs> They, they hate, hate this. this. They hate this. <laughs> yeah. You know, just and just perfect. Just yeah. Just set the scene. A same. A same. Apparently, with uh, oh my god, look at all the junk food. You know, all <laughs> yeah. Just ad lib stuff. But yeah, for me, just Venkman strutting around with the cigarette and the you know the hair and that. That's that's Bill Murray for me, and that's that's who I try to try to bring to in life. If I- <laughs> Another great interview would be, uh, what about Bob? And I think that gets overlooked. Like, oh, dude, ba- baby steps to the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a stupid character as well. However, it's done so bloody well. It just is, man. Dr. It just Marvin, is. Dr. Leo, Marvin. <laughs> oh, bro. And Dreyfus. Dreyfus is, you know, not a funny guy. God damn it, Bob. You know, he's, he's just, so good in that too. He's absolutely losing it by the end. Um, all right, that's that's back over to you, my son. All right, well, I'm going to hit this bad boy straight back as hard as I can at Hello. you with a wholesome and healthy serving of Eddie Murphy. Oh, dude. He's, to me, probably straight probably the Yeah, he's in. He's enjoying. Uh, Smoked salmon crackers with the rest of them. I tell you, he is Straight one up. of the funniest human beings that's ever lived. And I was Preach. lucky enough to have seen him um, really early on in the best stand-up show of all time. And I know it's contentious because he's got two, but Delirious, Delirious is the funniest. And he's wearing this horribly tight-fitting um, vinyl or leather in outfit. Both, in, in both of them. Um, in bo- exactly right. One's red, but one's blue. His impersonations are second to none. His anecdotes and his skit-based uh, comedy is second to none. And then he's an action star at the same time. Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, and 3, which is amazing, actually. I'm surprised that that's something Hollywood hasn't thought, hey, how about a fourth one? Yeah. I'm kind of grateful that they didn't because yeah, then all right. of a sudden the trilogy can sit back there and we can all go oh wasn't that great as opposed yeah. to giving yeah. us a little kingdom of the crystal skull where we all go oh, oh, yeah why that's why you, you leave oh. that in the cupboard you don't take that out of there oh. you know and then he's maintained um currency as well like he's been you know donkey in shrek for instance so a lot of his voice acting amazing. work come on but yeah it's beverly hills cop delirious trading places coming to america uh, my god this is a powerhouse of an actor i i i actually would posit my friend that this dude is number one can yeah yeah I'm, I'm, i mean i wouldn't be unhappy with that man. when if if by any metric cousin you know by any metric i do believe that he destroys it in terms of like um okay stand-up career dave chappelle 
tells a story about a bunch of them semi-recently going out to dinner and they're all hanging out. And Chappelle, Chris Rock, Kevin Hart are sitting in a car as they're driving away from the dinner just going, that's the funniest dude ever, ever, ever. Yeah, man, yeah. Top tier. In terms of box, box office, I mean, you know, those were giant movies, man. They were... They were, you know, if you were to sort of pro rata it to now to nowadays, it's as big as anyone, man. Yeah, um, you know, easily, man, easily. You know, big as Jim Carrey, big, <laughs> big as Mike Myers. Uh, yeah, and then and then of course, like like you said, he just he's just gone across so many different mediums. The world is waiting, Cuzzy, for that man to do another stand up special. Yeah. The world is waiting because it. Bang. There's something about that. I almost think that he maybe even shouldn't. You know, as much as I want it, as much as I want Beverly Hills Cop 4, I really do. I want Trading Places too. I want. I'd love, I, mean, I don't want him to do any more of those sequels, but I'd love his take on society. I'd love his take on where we're at as a, as a yeah. planet. Well, I reckon no. that's a, fi- look, that's a fine want, bro. And I hope that we get it because he's not, um, he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's, he's got some miles behind him and, oh man. Yeah. Let's get that done before he vacates this planet. Like, yeah, can we petition yeah. it? Perhaps it's where it begins. I don't, you know? I don't want to, I don't want to start any false stuff. But I don't know. I've, I've heard it sort of talked about that, that, that he might be coming closer to sort of going. Yeah, I'd like to do it. Like, it's just a matter of him. Like, where does he do it? How does he warm up? How does he warm up in clubs? How does he walk into a small hundred-person room and not have every mobile phone filming him and yeah. you know fifty thousand people lining up out the door within? Yeah. But anyway, so I love, I love that. Can I just momentarily sort of acknowledge also that um, not not a Valhalla, but huge for me, Richard Pryor. Again, oh, that's well, that's Eddie Murphy's inspiration, right there. No, you know? yeah, so many guys don't don't exist without Richard Pryor. Yeah, and, and Eddie w- Murphy's one of the men. Exactly, and what I yeah. want to say, what I want to say about Richard Pryor is obviously it's arguably socio culturally politically more meaningful because there just weren't there weren't there weren't any other dudes like him doing it at that time at that level bro i've yeah. got i've got um videos <laughs> vhs kids you can google that of him doing stand up uh in 1968 and it's mm. just it's yeah. the first it's the first time we ever heard the white guy voice so, That's right. So Eddie yeah. Murphy, Eddie Murphy doesn't get to go. Like, you mean you're not going to fall for the banana and the tailpipe trick? You know, <laughs> yeah. if if Richard hadn't have done it first. Um, yeah, and that race-related humor when it's thrown, like, you know, when it's thrown back at the, you know, the Aryan man, it's affronting. And for that to be happening in the seventies, man, it was so spot on and pertinent and important. And they did it with grace somehow and care. And a, a, you know, a fascinating man. A fascinatingly yeah. beautiful, flawed man, you know, raised raised in a whorehouse, literally. Is that um, right? Yeah, man. Battled incredible demons and addiction, but was able to become so so insightful and so funny and so ironic and, and, yeah. and had a presence on the screen, man. Like, you know, see no evil, he no evil, the toy. <laughs> oh, man, like, yeah. Seeing Richard Pryor, you know, inside that giant inflatable thing, going downstairs, <laughs> going, slow down. Wonder Wheel, you know, <laughs> yeah. just un- yeah. un- unbelievable. Which makes me, if you don't mind, just briefly cross again a little bridge. I'm going to yep. bring in Gene Wilder. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Because that's, you know, I was going to say, see no evil, hear no evil. Wow, that that's was a fine, funny, film. brother. It's genuinely um, funny. Stir crazy. 
um, just these, you know, Richard Richard Pryor was 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 incredibly funny, and Gene Wilder wingmanned him a couple of times so well. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're Valhalla, but they're foundational guys. You know that yeah. it doesn't happen without people like that. Um, and yeah, we've we've alluded to before. You know, Gene Wilder's multiple comedy roles, Blazing Saddles, um, just ridiculous. Yes, exactly. Well, look, we're getting to a really particular time where we might have to. We are, in fact, steering the ship back to shore. And we're getting really bring close. us back so to shore, cousin. I reckon we do a, a few a machine gun speed of honorable mentions, to. and then I think there is one particular um, comedian slash group of comedians that need to be mentioned, um, or else none of this would really exist. Um, and so I don't know what kind of order. I'm going to give you three names um, rather quickly. Do it. That sit very closely to me, and I've got Steve Martin. John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, and these are the Saturday Night Live alumni, as we've yeah. said. Yeah. And anything they touch or have touched to me is absolute l- beautiful gold. It's just it's number one, really is. Apart from them not making the Qantas Lounge today, they're in some amazing films like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's Come a on. smashing. Come on. I'm with you. Yep, yeah. I'm with you. What that, you got that, there, friend? That, that hand is not between two pillows. Um, <laughs> no, no. It's, it's difficult for me while we're quick firing. It's difficult for me not to mention Mike Myers. Yes, please. Um, it's difficult for me also um, not to mention Ricky Gervais. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, it's quite difficult for me not to mention uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> oh, <nice>. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Who had his own sort of brand of comedy appear in the last 10 years, really, didn't he? With um, everything that oh, Judd Apatow on, touches, and it's come just on, great. And like springboarded Paul Rudd's career, and now he's an Avenger, for goodness sake. And super you know, bad, man. Super bad. Yeah, that's where it's at. And yeah, Joni Hill and Michael Sarah, come on. Hater. It's pretty amazing stuff. And Hater, thank you. And uh, Will Arnett, and, you know, a bunch of folk in the same, same thing. Yeah. Um, but after seeing as we've both rapid fired off each other and everything's stuck, and I like that, um, there's one set of comedians who just can't not be mentioned. Excellent double negative there, G Man, but they have to be mentioned, is what Dude, I'm trying to say. You can use language um, however you want. It's, your, it's our <laughs> thanks, show, man. brother. All right, I'm going to fire these guys at you really quickly. We've got, I know who you, you know who it's going to be. It's going to be John Cleese, Michael Palin, Eric oh, Idle, wow. Graham Chapman. Terry Jones, Terry wow. Gilliam, and anyone else affiliated with Monty Python. Dude, these men raised me 100% <laughs> in films and uh, the, the TV with the, the Flying Circus and on stage yes, um, with uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, I mean, at the, live at the Hollywood Bowl. But yes. that's, and then, of course, you've got all the offshoots which is most notably, and the one thing, bro, that I'm going to watch to death, on my, ironically, on my deathbed, the thing that I want to watch last when I'm lying there coughing away is Faulty Towers. I want to watch that all from start to finish in one go. Tears streaming down my eyes. That's the last thing I want to see, man. Oh. But what's your gauge on uh, Monty Python, my brother? I think you just said it all. I mean, there's there's a whole element of comedy there that's that's brave, that's anti-establishment. Like you you have a bunch of people having a, a central element of their comedy is taking the piss out of colonization. Yes, it's taking the piss out of fundamental, you know, ideas of uh, 
England of the concept of everything British. So, taking, I mean, taking the piss out of religion. And again, very early era. We're talking 60s and 70s, having a go at so many things that that country held, A, sacred and B, dear. I don't think I've seen it done better. No, I don't think it's been done better. And directly inspired easily all British comedy. And then, you know, in a token gesture, the Americans as well can't help but follow suit because it's so timelessly funny. It's smart. As you're saying, you know, social commentary, pulling apart the things that everyone on the planet holds dear. It's irreverent. Everyone gets a little serve evenly, which makes it fair, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I suppose. I, I agree. There's, in, in fact, the only communities that get a majority of the piss take are the ones that are not the minority, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. So they are. They're, they're the just, establishments. They're yeah, smashing like, the establishment like like bloody waves against the, the the lighthouse on the rocks, and just you know zero zero cares given. Like it's just like this is what we're doing. This is our piece of art, um, and and of course there there's stuff that just is like weird. Like, you know, yes. fishy, 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 fishy. It's just like I don't get that. What is happening? Yeah, I um, know the surrealist side of it and the obscure. Let's um directly inspired the mighty Boosh, for instance, years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, that's for me, ridiculous. For me, quick, quick firing ideas or actors because this sets off a train of thought for me. Just showing again our list is this is pretty much just a live conversation. You don't you don't have the goodies, you don't have Kenny Everett, you don't have shows like that, in my opinion, that ended up looking the way they did without Python. Yeah, well that's and you know, Tim Brooke Taylor and um Bill Oddie and Graham Garden were all sort of they all went to the same college together and they all did skits together. So it's almost like Monty Python did it first, really, the real frontier breakers and did it really well with a a crew, you know, yes. that was it's a crew. really important. It is. And, um, you know, sadly, you know, Graham Chapman died. Um, oh God, I can't remember which year. It was in, early, in the eighties. I think it was sort of, um, and it was AIDS, unfortunately. He, he didn't make it through and he was the guiding ship through all of this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he passed, get. you know, um, that was, that was kind of over, even though everyone kept going and did their own offshoots. Well, Monty Python was over when Graham, Graham Chapman passed. And um, I, I'm just keen to know, like out of the, uh, the major motion pictures, and I think we're only really including three when we consider it would be. Um, oh, for me, I can answer that. It's, it's, for me, it's Holy Grail. Oh, okay, great. Because, I mean, you got Holy Grail, um, Life of Brian and The Meaning of Life. The Meaning of Life is brilliant, but it's more skit-based. It really is more so um, like one of their stage shows, just filmed, basically. And um, you wouldn't yes. have Mr. Creosote or any – oh, my God, that's one of the funniest scenes of all time. But as a whole film, <laughs> we've got the delicious, as you say, um, Holy Grail is the number one it's PG. You can watch it with the kids, man, you know, and yeah. there is enough smutty adult humor in there to get you by, you know? Yeah. Oh, seriously. Monty I Python, agree. all of them um, serving at the bar in the Qantas Lounge, my dude, giving everyone who's attending a, a good comedic serve. Well, it's almost like you rename it the Monty Python Lounge, don't you? Because yes. I'm I'm aware of us trying to turn this crazy bus home. I think yeah, maybe maybe the only there's probably only two more names that I feel like flinging on the wall and seeing if they slide down the right, bottom. You fire them quick because that was a nice sign off. Um, and I think uh, I think would be for me uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. I just think yeah, 
yep. deserve some 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 credibility, some oh, respect. Borat and Ali G, amazing you know, dude. Once you know. again, inspired completely English comedy by basically the Python. Well, the interesting the interesting thing about that is Sasha Baron Cohen's biggest influence is a one Gary McDonald from Australia, who did is a character. Right? Yes, brother. Yeah, who did a character called Norman Gunston. Oh. Um, so for those playing at home, particularly if you're under 20, <laughs> under 30 potentially, Google this man. This man was doing what Sasha Baron Cohen was doing, Jesus, 25, 30 years ago. And, yeah, 30 years. And doing doing it hard, like turning up on the steps of parliament and stuff and, and you know, interviewing some big people. The idea, the rub was essentially he would, he would go out and meet with the person that he was about to interview as himself and say, great, good to see you here go off, get changed into the alter ego, unbeknownst to the interviewee, and come out and do it. Um, so, yeah, interesting little tidbit, titular bit there for you, G Fresh. Um, and the other name which we've alluded to, which um be interested to see where you say this man goes, is Chevy Chase. Mm. Um, he he gave his uh, VIP access to the uh, Qantas Lounge back, um, in his later years, I think, for being a dick. in a lot of ways, for being a bit of a dick, yeah. And the character that he plays on uh, Community, um, he's not. It doesn't really seem like he's playing much of a character. He was a bit of a dick through the whole production, and Dan Humman wrote his character to be a dick to accommodate because it came too easy for him. But having said that, oh, Fletch and Caddyshack and National Lampoon's Vacation and all, of oh, them. bro, seriously, yeah, spies that like generation. Us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. He's so deadpan, so handsome, so just bum-chinned wonderful. <laughs> just He was fan-bloody-tastic. But yeah. unfortunately, I think um, his own franchise, him as a product, got it in the way a little bit and he got a bit full of himself. And that's a real shame when an actor seems to do that, when their own personality gets in the way. Yeah. And that's what I think Chevy Chase did. It's essentially, yeah, no no great need to be a knob. And look, with respect to a guy that we alluded to before, Rodney Dangerfield, um, I'm willing to sort of postulate who's in the five and let's see if we can get out alive. So the members' lounge as it stands is, I ha- I think I have four of the names. Um, and that would be, I've, I do that's remember so smart. them. Man, well, you know, a bit, but this is why I can't remember any new stuff. So, you know, <laughs> exactly, people ask people yeah. ask me to do daily tasks and I can't integrate. <laughs> so, I've got Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey and Bill Murray. Yeah, and see, I'm 100% agreeing with you on all of those. And so, I who's the that? fifth one's hard and I've got a feeling I'd like to give it to Monty Python. Um that's hard. Like that's a one ticket covering all. I'd prefer Monty Python to be serving them at the bar, giving them the comedy that they then serve back to us. So the, as for the fifth, that's really, really hard, man. In- you interesting. Know, I think. Interesting. We have not, interesting. We have not officially mentioned Robin Williams. Huh. We didn't, did we? We mentioned him in passing very quickly early on in the piece, but yeah, he's way up there, isn't he? Goodness me, you know, I reckon as a last contender banging on the door, he was running a bit late, the doors are sliding shut, and he's going to do an Indiana Jones roll through the door and grab his hat before it shuts. What do you reckon? Oh, dude, like, what do you, you reckon? Know, oh, it, 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 more, more iconicism. For me, yeah, Mork. For me, Mork from Ork, 
you know, gets gets into the lounge. Um, again, on all the landscapes that we we'd measured with, you know, Eddie Murphy, like as in Robin Giant, giant stand up career, giant television career, giant movie career, made the full transition into quote unquote serious roles. Even played psychopaths, like his role in uh, One Hour One photo, photo as Psy. I mean, yeah, yeah, and wow. Insomnia as well with Al Pacino. Absolutely, yeah, um, like absolutely crazy. Yeah, so but I suppose him for me as well because of his um, improvisation. Like he, there is no faster guy. And so you watch a stand-up comedy of his, probably not. Um, and he is so fast. He's actually oh. too fast for himself oh. for impressions and just basic humor. And when you get him on the stand up as well, when he can be adult and he can swear, he's not doing the Disney's genie. He's not doing a kid's show. He's, he's actually swearing and he's telling you adult jokes and ripping into religion and society as well as the others. Yeah. And who's, uh, who's a better, who's a better uh, talk show guest? Like he ripped on talk shows he absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you go down yeah. the you, you go down the YouTube wormhole, and again, it's just him going on rants, ad libbing, getting up out of chairs, doing stuff off the cuff, um, brother. Like there's yeah. no one better. So I would say that I would say that he, for me, it, it, depending on what you reckon, is is the fifth. I reckon he's in. I really, then, really do. And there's one yeah, the, done. The, in in passing. And in leaving, there's one man that I want to also acknowledge um, with so much love, mm. and that would be a one William Connolly. Billy oh, Connolly, brother. It took me brother. a bit, you bastard. I just like, who the hell is William Connolly? Oh, Bill Connolly. Uh, Billy Connolly is just the bee's knees. He is, um, if this was not a uh, an accessible program for all ages and genders, um, I would be using the language that Billy Connolly taught me almost directly and it's his fault that i have a potty mouth because i found that to be so funny also <laughs> it really also, was him also incredibly good actor oh i know man yeah completely you know? and he's just and in, there's and something so endearing yeah <laughs> yeah well that's right and he's his tv so show I think, his tv show where he's on that giant truck you know the, the yeah Harley around australia around, man oh Dude, it's actually an that's an absolutely sterling entry as well, and um, I just think he'd just be amazing to hang out with and have a beer and just hear some stories, man. To me, he's going to be one of the one of the last of those iconic guys that, when he passes, the world will be like, "Oh, that's really sad." Yeah, it's like Attenborough. Like as soon it's as he like, passes, it's done. He'll be on the same level as when Robin Williams passed. It'll be like, you know what? Today's just today. Every the world needs to turn a little slower because that man yeah. was rad. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. Absolutely with you. Hey, this has been an absolute thrill. Um, <laughs> Love it. Finding the members for the uh, for the the VIP lounge in the uh, in the Qantas terminal. It's been a lot of fun today, hasn't it, um, man? I hope everyone at home's had a really great time. Or in the car, or on the yacht, or whatever you do. Or if you're on the International Space Station tuning in, good on you. Yes. The place is pretty messed up. And two guys arrived. Um, they landed from uh, from the space station yesterday. Um, and I don't know why. I, you had a chance not to be on this planet for a little while and you've come back and now look what's happened to the place. It's turned to shit. Yeah. Well, I think it's just because someone farted. 
well, you know, I'd get that. Yeah, it's pretty sealed in there, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, God. That's, Just yeah. jettison the uh, cargo and send them out with it. My God. It's like, oh, um, really, Yuri? You had to? Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I know. Got to go hard. now, man. <laughs> Great. I'm jettisoning myself out of the airlock. <laughs> Look, it's been an absolute pleasure, P-Boss. Thanks so much for hanging out today. Let's do it again Dude. soon. I love it, man. All right. Well, folks, you've been listening to the Manchildian Candidate, and we've loved having you. You can download us from all portals, um, you know, internets, worldwide webs, scry mirrors, um, anywhere you can get us. And we can't, we can't wait to be, you know, pro- producing sounds from wherever you feel comfortable most to have us. <laughs> so until we next speak... Have a have a lovely have a lovely existence on this thing we call Earth. Cheers guys. 